Welcome to another episode of Production Pod. I'm your host, the one and only Marco Bird. And this is a podcast where we interview experts and we also like actually interview people who are producing things. So it's not just focused on solely production itself, but people who are actually doing things in this world. And today I wanted to actually talk about how I actually got into production and I actually like you know, started making a living and really, you know, just really going after something that I truly wanted. So originally I'm from Virginia, you know, born and raised DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia. Shouts out to my uncle, Rasan, who uh, really was a huge staple in our family in terms of like the, uh, the introduction to Go-Go, right? And he would produce and create different shows um, whether it be Backyard Band, What Band, um, you know, TCB at the time, Raw Image, CCB, you know, all of those bands and they would perform. And even now to like uh, my cousins, they had a band called First Impression Band. And when I was younger, I wanted to be them. I was like, yo, I wanted to be like smoke on the Congos. I wanted to really, you know, go hard and go in. And it just... You know, for whatever reason, one day I was in the crowd and I looked up and I said, man, I want to be just like that. And I think at the time it was uh, Love. Love was playing the Congos and he did it backwards. He, he's like left handed. And I was like, man, that's so dope because he it was his own style. So my grandfather also played the, con- the Congos in, in church and things like that, who introduced my, you know, my uncles and everything, even out to, you know, my aunts who would sing in the church, all this stuff. But I counted one day. So I started a little band and it wasn't working out. Little go-go band. We would play in the garage and my grandmother's garage. And one day I counted and I said, man, look at all of these people. In middle school. And I said, who's getting paid? No lie. I was like, yo, who's getting paid? Like, maybe they just love it. But I'm like, yo, it's like 10 people up here. I don't know who's walking away with anything. And then um, my cousin at the time, Daryl, he was DJing. He was like, yo, he went to New York. He was so spoiled. He would go back and forth to New York, and he would always bring back records and turntables, like techniques, you name it. He had it, you know? And I said, man, I want to DJ. Because it I didn't have to think about whether or not somebody else was going to show up. Somebody, the, the, the keyboardist was going to show up. If the front line was going to show up, if the drummer going to show up, I didn't have to think about that. Right. And so I started DJing, started DJing all of the parties. Everybody knew the first thing I ever had was some, uh, standing straight twenties. Right. I'm like DJing, doing my thing. Uh, belt drive, straight 20s, throwing the record forward. As you know, any DJ knows you got to throw the record forward in order for it to catch up. Dual drives is exactly. So you, if you let go to go with the turntable, it'll catch up in time, the speed in terms of. And I was doing that. My first record was Big Timers. It was, you know, and I would throw the record back. Big Timers, mm. Boom, boom. And I was scratched. And I thought I was doing something. And I was doing weddings. And everybody in D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, I was getting booked. And I was making a little money. But my home 
situation was just so unstable that I didn't have the rides to get to the shows. I didn't have, you know, the access or the opportunity to really stay grounded because I went to four different high schools. But however, it ended up working in my favor because all the times that we moved, everything that, you know, that was all God's purpose as well. And I, my last year, and some people may not even be able to do that. My last year of high school, shout out to my sister. She actually allowed me to stay in her, in her home for free, right? So I moved in with her, you know, I lived with my auntie over the summer. Before that, I was living with my grandmothers. Before that, I was living with my mom. Before that, I was living with my auntie. So it just kept on happening. But my last year of high school, I was going into summer school. Uh, no, no, no. It was the summer. Living with my aunt. And she wanted me to live in Stafford. And I said, no, I can't do it. I just refused to live in that part of Virginia, like going to that school. I was like, it's not going to work. So I went to Garfield High. Right, you know my alumni. Hello, oh nine, and I, uh, I was working at Sheets. I had a Crown Victoria that my cousin sold me. My cousin Eagle, he was like, "Yo, I'm gonna sell it to you next to nothing." I, I owed him like six hundred dollars. He's like, "Yo, don't even worry about it. Don't even pay me back. Don't worry about it at all." Like, listen, man, it's yours. It's your car. Like, and it was my dream car at the time, and I just live with my sister and my brother-in-law and they was kind of like taking care of me because I would come home to to dinner and all that other stuff and they bought me my first MPC 2000 so I had my floppy disk drives in the living room and I was trying to make beats and then she's about to get kicked out all the money that she was giving the uh the person just they weren't paying the rent so after they they decided not to pay the rent, I ended up moving with my boy Rodney, right? Literally, that's how we say his name, my boy Rodney. So I moved in with him because my sister was getting kicked out. And I'm like, yo, I still got to finish school. So it's my last year. So then I went to the Coast Guard first. I went to um, the Army and I failed my ASVAB. Just failed it miserably. And God was like, look, I look, you can stay here, go to hell or go to jail. And I was like, Dang, I don't want to go to either one of those places. So <laughs> what should I do? So I decided to take it upon myself. I said, you know what? I'll pursue my dreams. If, if it doesn't work, I'm just going to move back to Virginia. So the, the dream was still to work in music. I just didn't know what. So I sold my car to my brother-in-law. He was like, yo, that's a dope car. You know, you took care of it. You know, you always got the oil change, all that stuff. It's a great car. I'm going to buy it from you, but I'm only giving you half. So, okay, cool. So I moved to New York City, one of the greatest cities in the world. My uncle Rasan, the same person I had mentioned earlier, he had a, um, a child with a young lady named Tasha Price. And she said, hey, if you want to come out here, take the bus, visit, and you can live here but you got to pay me rent. I'm like, oh my God, rent, that's a thing. I'm like, Jesus, even when I lived with my boy Rodney, I didn't have to freaking pay nothing. So I gave him my TV out of my car. I had a TV. I just gave it to him because I was like, y'all, I lived here for free. That's the least I could do. And um, my sister, 
I just told her thanks. Deuces. You know, she loves me. Right? When that happens, my uncle Corey, who people thought still to this day, which is weird, but that was my pops because my pops was in and out. You know how that go, right? So he would be at all my football games. He was very present in my life. He takes me in a U-Haul truck, a one-way U-Haul truck to New York, to my aunt's house, right? So now living in the basement of Rosedale, Queens, and then something else happens. The same thing that my sister was doing. Yo, my aunt's paying rent and the person's not paying the mortgage. Insane. So what do we have to do? We move to the Bronx, Gun Hill Road. Crazy. I'm still out there like, yo, what am I doing here? What am I going to do? I was going to go to Queens Community College, but there were so many women. And I was like, yo, I'm going to get somebody pregnant. Oh, my God. Like, these women are beautiful. Yo, you ain't nothing like a Brooklyn girl. Ain't nothing like a Queens girl. Jesus. I was like, yo, I got it. There's no way I can go to this school. So I ended up at the Institute of Audio Research right there on University Place in the village. And it was the dopest experience. It was rappers, it was producers, it was writers, it was singers, you name it. It was I was in it. And everybody was like, yo, what, what studio are you going to work at? What are you going to do when you get out of here? And I'm like, yo, I'm going to build my studio. And I did. So I teamed up with this guy. His name was Changa. I teamed up with him. He built the studio and I helped him build it a little bit. And But he was the first person I ever met that like did IAR. And was like, yo, I'm gonna build a studio. And he actually did it in Long Island, Long Island City, as a matter of fact, right? Take the seven train. So I was going to a uh, LaGuardia Community College because they had an articulation program set up with, um, with IAR. So I'm like, yo, perfect. And at this time, I'm extremely depression. Like, I mean, I mean, I'm suicidal. You think like I'm like there. I'm going through it, trying to figure out how I'm going to survive. And God was like, yo, I got you. Don't worry. Right. And we'll get into, you know, my depression, another, another episode. Right. But I lived through it. I survived through that situation. And I'm going to the school and I'm like, yo, what am I going to do? I got to build my own studio. Like this isn't working. Like with the studio I was at, I'm like, yo, I got to build my own studio. So I started working for a uh, nonprofit organization called Street Corner Resources, and I helped them build the very first recording studio, like, well, actually the expansion of their current studio. They had a recording studio, but I helped them build a big studio in a high school, right? Right there in Harlem on 128th between 5th and Madison, Harlem Renaissance High School. And I'm like, yo, I was literally contracted on the job. I was there. They also hired me as a computer tech, all this great stuff. So I'm in production. I'm like, yo, I'm teaching kids the importance of music recording technology. I'm working at LaGuardia Community College on the side, you know, with Mark Brooks. And I'm like, just in this world of education, music, technology, recording. And then I started working, um, interning at a spot in Long Island. It was this dope producer at the time. And I'm like, yo, let's do something. We had a fallen out, it didn't work. And I built a dope studio in Brooklyn. And I'm like, yo, this is it. Like my first, it was mixed by Mark Studios. And this is when I first knew 
I kind of knew that I'm giving you a quick tutorial of how I like really got in production, but or, or you, you, I'm sorry, but like production is just a part of me. It was just something that I just loved. And a lot of it was audio production necessarily wasn't film. And I got into film um, because of Eddie Marino. Eddie, he was like, yo, pick up a camera. If you want to do some stuff, man, you went to audio, that's cool, but you should pick up a camera and document it. You should be able to like do some photography, do these things. So I, through that, kind of like gave birth to the variety group. I would always say the variety group, but I didn't know exactly what that meant. So photography, videography, and audio, audiography. So I just wanted to really capture like a in-house production company where you could come and you can knock out stuff. But I gave so much to audio recording. And, you know, I had this studio and it was not doing well. I was horrible at marketing. I didn't even understand it. I didn't know what that meant for a product. And then you also survey the, you know, market sizing, surveying your area. I didn't know about any of those things. I just knew like, yo, I'm going to create a business and that, and that sounds great. And it's like, you don't understand business, but you just have to throw yourself out there, right? Especially in production. Just got to pick up the camera. You got to hit record and then you have to post it. So there were so many little areas that I kept learning. But one thing that I got to do was I interned at Stadium Red and I got to meet some amazing producers and engineers like Mesta Bish, freaking, well, Mesta Bish worked at Insta IAR. But freeing Ariel Borjaw, Ricardo Gutierrez, Omen, the producer, freeing, again, it was Just Lay Studio. So I'm like, I'm meeting all of these different people. It's the first time I met Guru. All of these dope, dope, dope people at this space. And, and then that didn't work out. And I was like, oh, what the crap, man? This is whack. Like, I'm interning here and then this is not working. But it was all love, like especially the Ariel. Mixed by Ariel is one of the greatest people I've met. No lie. Like him, Ricardo, those are just really great people, right? Um, especially his wife, Juliet. And then Noah's even cooler than, we're not going to get into this, right? And then, so I, um, I just kept working in production, kept, and I kept hitting walls. And I'm like, yo, what's happening next? Technology keeps increasing. So audio keeps changing. Producers are like also the engineers are also the producers now. You know what I'm saying? So then all this stuff with auto-tune and T-Pain, I went through all of these things, you know, trying to capture the essence of sound, right? Chasing sound, like that whole, that whole vibe. And it was a lot. It was a lot and it still is, still is a lot. And now everyone is doing podcasting and now AI is now doing your podcast. So it's, it's just a lot, but you still have to pick up the camera. You still have to make sure the audio is good. You still have to make sure that you post it. And I, I just, I'm still in this space of production. And now with this new company that I'm building with uh, Eric Fair, I'm really, really, really excited for what's coming, what we're doing, what we're producing. And I think it'll give the people the opportunity to also know that it doesn't really matter um regardless of where your like your history is in production just keep going
just don't stop. Like there's so many hiccups that you're gonna go through. You're gonna get the gig sometimes. You're not gonna get the gig sometimes. I met an actor earlier and she was like, like, yeah, I do this, but I act, but now my love is with the kids to teach them how to do it. You know, it's like, you'll find your niche and in production, producing something, creating something, it, it's so much bigger than what we could ever imagine. So I think even when we go back to God, understanding that, you know, God created, you know, God produced, like that's what, that's what happened. When we think about Jesus, Jesus produced miracles. So let's continue to produce, let's continue to follow what God puts on our hearts, our purpose, all of those things. And you'll be surprised like how many amazing things you're able to create. And uh, especially if you pick up that camera and you just hit record, or if you pick up that pen and you write something, you never know what can happen. And for me to anyone like from New York to LA, me walking in the studios, lying to walk in studios. Yeah, I, yeah, I have a session. I've done those things. Like literally I've told the freaking record label, yeah, I had a meeting today and I got to the second or third floor. Like they, they put me up there. Like I've done those things just so I can pursue, you know, and get closer to what not just my dream is, but the purpose God has given me, you know? So continue to produce Continue to do these things. I promise you, like, promise you, it's going to work out. Again, this was another episode of Production Pod, and I'm sure there are so many things I'm leaving out. Literally, I recorded most of L. Varner's last album, leaving all the good stuff out, right? But it's all good. I'm telling you, and... Most importantly, RIP Jimmy Varner forever, forever RIP. Thank you again. This has been an amazing episode of Production Pod. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you. Peace.